explain any credit for the lessons that are laid out for today being about faith and how unbelievable it is uh, since there's a new TCC that just came out with I don't want to be and I all find that I keep that on you probably haven't even seen the, this new TCC series uh, but what, what an awesome thing it is that we can talk about what's really unbelievable in life and focus on what's, what's really amazing so let's begin to hear God's word this morning for the word of prayer Gracious God, and thank you that you have gathered us this morning to know what is truly good, right, what is marvelous, marvelous, and wonderful. We pray that as we would hear your word, we would show the faith of these laws follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Uh, so, maybe, I don't know what it is, if you did or not, maybe if you saw uh, Avengers, the Age of Ultron in 2015, or any time since then, and you watched all the way to the very end of the movie, you might have been confused by the credits. At the end of the movie, uh, this man finally appears very suddenly on the screen. He is the chief mastermind of the, the evil criminal of the uh, Marvel Universe there. He has this huge love. He says, Fuck, I'll do it myself. Or maybe you're more of a Cinderella person. I can't actually remember if this moment is Cinderella or Anastasia. But after the movie, uh, the king's assistant has gone through town and is trying the last sliver from Cinderella on the feet of all of the eligible ladies in the kingdom. He arrives at the house of, of Cinderella's family. He uh, comes to Oh, the sister, that's right, I can't remember if this goes He tries to slip around the way, it plainly doesn't fit. It's too dainty for her very large foot. She becomes frustrated. She, she rudely pushes the king's assistant away. She grabs the slipper and she tries to push it out of the foot and she says, Fine, I'll do it myself. And that line, uh, you know, if you're a Simpson person, or a Flintstones person, or an Annie or any movie that got that. Like, right where we are, this is Israel, 
Um, and Israel is this tiny strip of land situated between three lakes, the, the huge Mediterranean Sea on one side, and then two other lakes. Basically the same place where it is today. Now at this time, Israel did not have a strong central government. There was no organized central government, there was no standing army, and so there were no social systems to protect and to provide for the people. What they did have was strong culture, and they were then loosely structured. A neighboring country, Midian, just on the east side of the lakes, off towards the desert, invaded the country. They, they had, since they had no you know, central structure to protect themselves, the Midianites invaded They camped out, especially in the farmlands. They destroyed the crops. They killed the cattle, they killed the sheep, they, they killed all the donkeys for farming. Um, and then they did this for a period of seven years. Finally, the Israelites grew frustrated. They cried out to God for help. God promised a leader, He sent them a leader. And that man's name was Gideon. Now, Gideon was a very normal God. I mean, as normal as it comes. You couldn't get more normal than Gideon. Gideon is from the town of Ophrah. I got 10 bucks if anybody can tell me what the town of Ophrah is about. Look it up. Anyway, all right, you, you, you're not a chance. His dad was Joash. You know Joash? No, you're not going to Joash. Not really, right? Um, Joash is another. He's a nobody from, from, from nowhere. Uh, and then I mean, God calls Gideon to, calls Gideon to serve. What Gideon says is, he says, I am the least of my clan, and my clan is the least in the nasty, and I am the least of my clan. What he means to say then is, I am a no one from nowhere. Or in other words, Gideon was voted least likely to succeed at Oprah High. I don't know if you've got that page in the front of your yearbook right, that says, most likely to succeed, best hair, best car, you know, most athletic, all those things. The, the bottom one always on the right says, least likely to succeed or something terrible like that, that was getting his face. He was the least of the least. So God asked Gideon to lead his God. And through three years, not one, not two, but three miracles, God gave Gideon great strength. Uh, he told Gideon, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Gideon's hand. Gideon felt like he had no strength, so God gave him not one, not two, but three miracles. That's how Gideon ends up, as we hear in the beginning of our lesson, camped. He is camped for battle across from the Midianites. He gets there. He has too many men. God says, send some of them home. He sends 22,000 home. Send another 10,000 home. So it's another 9,700 home. And so in the end, he has only 300. All he really has to face the Midianites is his own strength. God's showing you and I a pretty crucial, a vital lesson here. 
If you were an ancient person, like the time of Gideon, you got your strength for life, you know, your conviction, your drive, your willingness to get things done, all those things in your life, they came from your family ties. Gideon had very bad family ties. He was not from the warrior tribes like Benjamin and Judah. He was not from an influential city like Jerusalem or Hebron or Bethel. Gideon was a nobody from nowhere, and he was the nobodyest of nobody from nowhere. He had no family ties to give him strength. Now, we still do this today, right? We get some conviction. The Kennedy name means something to people. It gives us a certain drive of strength and gives things done in life. Where I really see this the most uh, is if I ask people, tell me about your faith in Jesus. And, and a lot of people will say, well, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life, and my parents were Christians before me. Where do they get their strength, their, their conviction as Christians? They get it from their family ties. <coughs> what we usually do, though, it, it is something I'm not sure if it's any better. But we get our drive, our strength from our our skills, our successes. We take our certificates and we put them up on the wall. We put our photos up on the wall. We, we put our projects that we completed in a nice little Financial challenges. 
You need to leave and, and work through your family problems, and you need strength for that. And I, I need the strength for my life. Nobody has ever shown up for, for Monday mornings here at church where I sit down and I go with all the things that need to be done. Nobody ever shows up and says, oh, Pastor, that one's too hard for you. We'll take that for you. I've got the strength for that. No, no. If any of you would like to do that for me, I really appreciate it. That's been Monday mornings about 19 years old. But nobody does that. I need the strength for my life, just like you need the strength for your lives. And, and the Apostle Paul reminds us, we need this strength all the way through, beginning to end. He says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for things done one to one, whether good or bad. What Paul is saying to us is, first of all, you need the strength to do the things of your life. And then you need the strength to take what you're going to get at the end. You have that strength. Do you have the, the strength to get through each day and do the right things? And then the strength to get to the end and take what you're supposed to be getting? That's the strength that, that we need. Now there's a danger here uh, in our daily strength or in our daily something that we need to watch out for. I don't think any of you to church on Sundays and say, wow, look at that guy up there. He's just got that great physique. Man, he is such a good-looking guy. He must work out all the time. I think you better give him more work to do so that he stops working out. You're not thinking that. If you are, well, I don't know. I don't think about that. Uh, you don't think that. But, but there is a strength. There is a danger, isn't there, in getting too strong? I mean, it is possible to do that. Gideon is warned about the same thing. God says to Gideon, in uh, the verse today, he says, you have too many men. You have too many men. You're going to end up relying on your own strength. Your numbers are too large. And that is a big problem. And so God takes away uh, some of those men. He still gives Gideon the strength to get the job done. Did you know what happens at the end of Gideon's life? The end of the story? Gideon's strength Gideon goes to the end of his life. He returns home after this battle. He, he celebrates with his friends. Then Gideon uh, starts taking wives. He is married. He's married many times over. He, he takes concubines for himself as well. We know he has at least 70 sons and probably as many daughters, so we have no idea how many people he married, but he must have been. Um, Gideon, he makes for himself an ephod, which is a religious garment, and he gathers people around him in, in religious worship, and he had a worship of the true God. So Gideon makes his own little cult in his hometown. Right? So there's nobody from nowhere to go back home. And you know what he names one of his sons? Son of the king. If he wasn't making king, in fact, he told his friends, I don't want to be king, I don't want to be your ruler, but, but he calls his own son, son of the king. And the end of his life, the sad line at the end of his life is this, that the people were not loyal to him. And as soon as he died, it says they were not loyal to him, they forgot about him. His friends, his neighbors, all the people who wanted to make him king after this great battle of many nights, they weren't loyal to his friend. That happens too much, doesn't it? When we rely on our own strength, what strength does most of the time for us is it just breeds superiority and then sorrow. 
In the days that followed, she cried so much in repentance. She was actually afraid to open her eyes. God brought people to her who, who poured out living water for her. She bubbled it in. She breathed in God's truth and she said, I felt fully quenched, but ever thirsty for Him at the same time. It was a horrific and holy chapter. It was my first real Thanksgiving. God, God works not in our strength, but in our weakness. And when He makes you weak, then you can finally see His strength. When you can see how, how God has given up all of His strength, and He has become weak in the person of Jesus, that's when you can finally become strong. When you can stare at the cross and you can be so moved by it, stirred by it, when your heart is filled with appreciation for the fact that here's a guy, here's a guy who had perfect strength, and yet he became weak. And that's something that can only happen when you and I become weak. But when we become weak like that, then we can stare at him and we can say, wow! He never said, he could actually say, I'll do it myself. I'll take out all of your enemies. I'll play all of the battles. I will take on your life for you. That strength can then be yours to live. It's a strength that goes beyond any strength you and I can muster. It's the divine durability, the superhero strength, the perfect power that you and I need for life. It will do more than we've ever imagined. There was a great missionary to China named Hudson Taylor, who in the 1850s, he went to the seacoasts to start doing mission work. Well, at that time, the foreigners from in China were only left into the five major seacoast cities of China. And the whole inland of China knew nothing about Christianity. And Hudson says to himself, I've got to get to inland China. I've got to get to all of these cities, including the millions of people who know nothing of the gospel of Jesus. And so he did. He devoted his life to it, and he worked so hard that at the end of his life, somebody came to him and asked him, how do we have the strength to do all of that? And, and here's what he said. He said, it seemed to me that God would go to the whole world to find a man who was weak enough to do his work. And when at last he called me, he said, he's weak enough. He'll do. All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they called God his being with them. Friends, that is the strength that you can have. The strength to do great things not in your life and always. It's, it's God's strength that will work in you. And it's an unbelievable strength. So let's pray that God's strength will be with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that today you have put before us this amazing picture that we can be strong, strong to fight thousands and millions of enemies, no matter what we face in our lives. It's not a strength that we can have in ourselves. In fact, you call us to make ourselves weak. But then you promise that you will give us incredible strength as we see your son Jesus become weak for us. You will make us stronger than we have never hoped to imagine. We pray for this great work in us. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.